Hello, and welcome to the Christian Concern Podcast. I am Ben John, Wilberforce Academy Development Officer at Christian Concern. And I'm Paul Huxley, Communications Manager also at Christian Concern. In this series of podcasts, uh, we're going to be going through some of the questions and issues raised by the recent Wilberforce Publications book, In His Image, by Stephen McCoyd. In this book, McCoyd explains the biblical basis of God's creation order and what this means for life at all its stages. We'd encourage you, if you haven't already, to get a copy of In His Image. It's a great little book that introduces these topics, and although you don't need it to follow along with us, it'll certainly deepen your thinking and understanding on these issues. So we'll be covering a variety of different questions. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? How has the fall affected our world? Does objective morality exist? What does the Bible say about abortion and marriage? How can we be salt and light in the world today? Some huge questions there, but we pray that as we talk them through together and look at his word, God will give us understanding. So in this episode, we'll be looking at the question of what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Firstly, Paul is going to read Genesis 1, 26 to 28 for us. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So the questions we're talking about today is what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And in what ways have we seen Western culture reject this truth in society today? You may want to press pause now to think about that for yourself. So do so now. So, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Good question, Ben. So, I mean, the thing that really strikes you as you uh, go through Genesis 1 is how mankind is presented as the pinnacle of God's creation. God makes all of these things and it's all crescendoing. It's all getting bigger and stronger up until, uh, and up until that point when mankind are made, uh, male and female. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think we see this more and more so in the way that, um, in a sense, God seems to place humans as, the re- as his representatives on earth as a form of dominion and rule. It's, it's, it's Adam who's called to name the animals. It's not the, we're not named by the animals. You know, we don't see um, dolphins going around naming all the different animals. Adam has been given that particular responsibility. And it shows a kind of, yeah, as you mentioned, the pinnacle of creation. We have a, a, a rulership over them. Um, and I think that's seen in the dominion and rule, or what some theologians call the cultural uh, mandate, where they're called to um, go out, and we see this in, in a few verses afterwards, to go out to be fruitful and to multiply and to take dominion um, of the creation, or as some might say, to, to create culture, as uh, some of our Christian concerned friends uh, often describe it as. Yeah, and the, and the striking thing that really speaks to our current culture, I think, is the is the is the is verse twenty seven there in the image of God He created them, male and female He created them. So you've got one image 
of God, one elevated position that mankind, both male and female, hold. And yet there's this diversity of male and female, which is clear. So in that, you've got both, um, you've both got, you've got men and women both as equally made in God's image. Um, and yet there's this um, recognition that male and female are different. Which which speaks to some profound realities if we want to go into, um, if we want to go into Trinitarian thought and and look at the way that the Father and the Son are equally God, and yet all theology, all Christian theology, has recognised that there is some form of difference between Father and Son in that the Son became became flesh, for example, um, and the Son eternally comes from the Father but not the other way around. So there is this recognition that two persons can be different in some respect, even in, God, in the Godhead, even in God, there can be some difference and yet equally God of the same substance, as the theologians would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that unity and diversity in the Trinity, which is why we, as humans being made in the image of God, are relational and personable beings. Um, in fact, it's, it's, it's that very nature in God that he's able to love in a way that is not selfish love, um, but he loves his son. The father's love for the son is eternal. And we being made in God's image mirror that in the way that we have our social relationships, in the way that we talk to one another, in the way that we love one another, in the way that we are uh, build families. We, we are given to one another in marriage, um, for example. Another point we might want to draw from this is that since everyone is descended from Adam and Eve, we know that all of us are made in God's image. Everyone descended from Adam and Eve uh, is made in God's image and therefore of worth and of value, not just Christians. Now, some don't want to go ahead too much. Some people would say that the fall affects that in some kind of way, that we deface that image. And yet the Bible does uphold that we, are, we remain in God's image, even though we've fallen from that position. So, so all of us, not just Christians, um, have this high calling and high worth. Yeah, absolutely. We shouldn't um, elevate certain groups of people um, based on whatever characteristic or whatever it is as saying that they're less made in the image of God. Um, all, each and every person is um, fearfully and wonderfully made, um, to quote Psalm 139, and all are worthy of inherent dignity, all have inherent value and dignity. Um, each person that you meet on the street, in the world, um, the whole world is um, made, formed by God's hands and is valuable to him. And we need to really recognise that in all our engagements with fellow image bearers when we meet and engage with them. And following on from these verses, then we see in the picture of Genesis, of course, that this man and woman, Adam and Eve, um, are made to be in union with one another, um, to, to fill the earth and subdue it, um, as it says. And so we've even got marriage there right from the beginning um, in, in the early chapters of Genesis as the foundation for um, our life as a society. Um, so, so marriage is, again, made by God and with certain boundaries and definitions. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's quite clear that here we see that um, yeah, that marriage is a creational ordinance. It's not a kind of social construct, despite what people might say today. 
but that it's inherent in 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 what God's plan is for the creation pre-fall. Um, not just it's not something that's set up in in response to the fall, and so it's not something that we can um, redefine or 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 mess with in and not expect consequences. You know, we can't fly, and so if I were to sort of go and 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 jump and try and fly off a building, there's consequences to that um, because that's not the creation order. And in the same way, if we start redefining God's creational ordinances, there will be consequences. I guess that brings us on to our second question um, of how does Western culture reject this truth? Because one of the ways it does is that it, uh, it fails to recognize that this design of marriage is made by God and therefore unchangeable. Of course, Jesus upheld this, um, this particular passage when he was, he was preaching, saying that in response to the questions of that day about kind of cheap and easy divorce, he upheld the original Genesis 1 and 2 pattern of marriage um, while recognising that there are circumstances when divorce was permissible under the law of Moses. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think, it, yeah, as you say, it's about addressing the those issues at the time that they're in. And we're seeing it today now with the redefinition of marriage, but also in, in some of the various other ways we identified regarding what it means to be made in the image of God that throughout history we've seen, um, and sadly this has sometimes been in the church where large groups of people have been almost denied to be image bearers of God. We see that with you know various forms of racism or prejudice, whatever it is, um, that's ultimately denying God's creative creation order. It's denying that we're all uh, worthy of inherent dignity and value um, when we when when there's racism and when there's prejudice and these different areas, you know, we need to realise that we are all equal before God, um, whatever our characteristic, you know, whether we're male um, or female or whatever colour we are. Um, that doesn't necess- that doesn't mean we are all the same, uh, but it does mean that we are all valued by God, and we need to live according to that. Absolutely, and a one area where that might be under attack, and kind of contradicted in today's society is with um, people, for example, with Down syndrome, where you have um, people talking about eliminating Down syndrome and praising, um, I think it's Iceland that has virtually eliminated Down syndrome so- solely by killing all of the babies who have Down syndrome or who are suspected of having Down syndrome before they get to be born. Um, so that, is a, that itself is a denial that these people even when they're very small, even when they're in the womb, um, really are image bearers of God and therefore of value whatever exactly the, the makeup of their chromosomes is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And well, that plays into a wider part of the way that we just think that people who are small, the unborn child, are um, not made in the image of God and not image bearers and not fellow um, human beings. And maybe we're seeing the opposite happen where we're elevating other groups or species of not humans as being made in the image of God. Um, Of course, maybe um, people wouldn't articulate it like that and use this kind of language, but I think in some forms of radical environmentalism or animal rights campaigners, and and absolutely we need to be um, passionate about these questions. William Wilberforce set up the RSPCA, um, but in some radical forms of this, what we're seeing is that actually it's not just humans. They're effectively saying it's not just humans who are made in the image of God, 
rather that the whole creation is is made in the image of God or animals are also made in the image of God. And, and what it effectively is really is a form, a modern form of pantheism or panentheism. And we're seeing that more and more and more when in fact we're, we need to recognize that humans have been given a particular role in creation and humans explicitly are the ones who are made in the image of God. So therefore we can't necessarily prioritize these things. So you hear arguments like, oh, humans are the problem on the, on the earth and what we need to do is, for example, stop having children um, because of overpopulation and, the, and these kinds of things. It's basically saying because the ultimate goal is protecting um, the earth or protecting the animals and the humans are, are the ones causing all the destruction. And, and, you know, of course, we need to be wise stewards in these kinds of questions, but we aren't inherently the problem. We're doing what God's, we need to do what God's called us to do, which is to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, and that comes back to that whole question of Genesis 1, back to where we started, of mankind being at the pinnacle of God's creation and in some way different from other animals. So scientific materialism and the kind of dominant force that is in our culture says, well, we've just evolved from these animals and we're essentially no different other than we've got opposing thumbs and these sorts of things. Um, and have been a, and the right kinds of brains and the right kinds of sleeping patterns to ha- reach higher levels of thought than the the other animals as it sees, um, and uh, and so we're completely undifferentiated from animals. We're completely the same, just a bit cleverer, a bit more able to do certain things, um, which is directly against what Genesis one says in that there is this clear distinction made of humans are made in God's image in a way that nothing else is um and therefore if we're image bearers of god if we're made in god's image then there's meaning built into who we are life comes with a certain kind of meaning because we are to faithfully image god we're supposed to be good reflections on who god is i think that as we've very quickly gone through all of those questions um i think you can see why these two verses provides such a foundation for all of the kinds of things we talk about a Christian concern. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really fascinating uh, wrestling with these different areas in which we're made in the image of God and how these apply to the work of Christian concern, as you say, as we tackle with questions of life, the sanctity of life at the beginning and end of life. Um, what, what we what we say about marriage and, and the role of marriage in society is we've seen that it's part of the creational ordinance. And so what, we, what will that look like as we move further and further away from God's creational ordinances? These are really important questions that we wrestle with in all that we do. And we need to be wise in understanding how, what does the Bible say about these questions and how can we articulate them to the culture and to the church around us? So it's been great to wrestle with the question of what does it mean to be made in the image of God and to understand these different areas which are so important for us to be thinking about. Not just that we're, uh, as humans, the, the, the pinnacle of creation, and God's representatives on the earth and made in relationally, we're social beings because of God's triune nature. And we reflect that in our own lives, in our own communities but also the ways that we need to realise that every single person is made in God's image. And sadly, too often that's forgotten in the past with questions of racism and prejudice, but also today, the way we deny um, the unborn, the rights of the unborn child to to live and that they are valuable and have inherent dignity. 
and also the fact that marriage between a man and a woman is part of the creational ordinance and we're called uh, to, to do that as humans. You know, humans are the ones who are called really to covenant marriage as God's established here um, in the creation account. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on this episode. Next time we're going to be looking at the fall. So if you haven't already got a copy of In His Image uh, and the bigger study guide, which has got even more questions than we've been talking about, why not get a copy and read along with us and be ready for the next um, next podcast, which will be on the fall uh, on chapter two of the book. Hit the subscribe button to be notified when the podcast will be going out. Please do send us your comments and questions. We'd love to continue engaging with you as we develop and build on this first episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining.